Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So yesterday, Ryan, um, I got asked that fateful question by my good lady wife, Lorraine, which Uh is, does my bum look big in this? Um, and after 37 years of marriage, I've, did, I know what, uh, I know it's a trick question and I know what I should say. And, um, I said the right thing, which was, of course not, darling. Um, very good. Yeah. It normally fits the, fits the pattern, doesn't it? So, uh, I'm really pleased to say that, uh, today we've, um, we've got a, a friend of mine called Stephen Gaffney, um, uh, join us. Steve is a global authority on teaching organizations to tell the truth and communicate more effectively. Um, and I thought it was a great subject to um, get Stephen to come here and talk to us about, you know, about why people don't say what they don't, don't say that what they mean. So welcome. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So why do, you know, let's get to the heart of this. Why is it that people don't say what they mean? Why do we not tell people the truth? Well, to directly answer it, it's fear. Fear of retribution, fear of consequences, fear of hurting somebody's feelings, fear of the conversation going the wrong way. And so that's the biggest issue. But I'll show you what's even a bigger point that you may want to consider. The biggest problem isn't what we, we say what we don't mean. The biggest problem is not what people say. It's actually what they just don't say. It's what they leave out. It's right. where a customer service person is actually shares with the customer. Yeah, we can do that, but they're not upfront with, yeah, we can do that, but it's not going to be in the time frame we're saying it, or we're thinking, well, the customer thinks it should be done by tomorrow. We won't say anything because it can't be done by tomorrow. So I just won't say anything. And even though I know it'll be done by the end of the week, so I just don't bring up a subject. And that's a big, big issue. So when we look at problems, here's what I found. The number one problem, and if everybody forgets everything out of we're talking about today. The number one problem is simply what we don't say to each other. So right. the key is to get that unsaid said. Right. That, so is there I, is there a reason why these kind of lies of omission are are more common? Is it is it just less threatening um, than lying by by commission? I mean, what, what's what's driving that? Well, there's many reasons. One is fear, right? Fear, as we were just, as I was just mentioning. The other, there's, but there's other potential reasons. Another aspect of fear, and the second reason is judgment. So somebody doesn't bring up something because they think that they should know it, and they don't have a, you know, they're worried about being judged as stupid or mm. that is it something they should have thought of. And and is it when you're talking about fear? Is it is it fear of? I'm going to, well, I guess it's all these things, but fear of, uh, you know, I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to, my boss may tell me off. Uh, I should know this, but I don't. Uh, I, I presume it's all those things. Well, it could be a lot of those things, but I'll give you a recent example. I just came back from a, uh, a vacation in Europe and and we had an issue with a five-star hotel. And so the issue was that what they said the room was going to be like when we got there, it was not like that. And so... My girlfriend and I, we talked to the person at, at, at the, uh, you know, at the front desk and she showed us the room. And when she showed us the room, it was, in fact, not really what we wanted. So we said, look, this is not what we wanted. We're going to go to another hotel since there's no other options. It was the only room in the hotel. She said, not a problem. I'll do what it takes and figure it out so that we can get you a refund. I said, great. We left the hotel. Um, 
two days later, we decided, you know what? It's wise to check in to see, of course, did they give us the refund? We ended up talking to the assistant general manager and eventually the general manager who said to us, we we actually told you that it was non-refundable, which was not the case. So we explained, no, it was not the case. It's not what happened. And it took my girlfriend to say to the general manager of a hotel, a five-star general, to say, why don't you listen to the tapes that they tape recorded the call and actually do your research and call me back. And so he did do the research. And truth be told, we, of course, did tell the truth. And he apologized. Yeah. But here's the problem with that. Think about the message it sent that he didn't really believe his um, his employees. He didn't believe the customer and all that to save a few hundred dollars. What was he thinking? So mm-hmm. in the end, he did refund us. And you could say that's a good thing. But the unintended consequences by him not really believing, in other words, trust, is a big issue. So when we look at things like this, what's the message that he sends and somebody, he or she who's running an organization, sends to the entire organization? And here's another key message. Internal customer service, in other words, how we treat our internal customers reflects how we how we treat our external customers. Yeah. And that's another aspect of this. So I know I'm going off on uh, from your question, but there's so many aspects to consider. And I run into these customer service problems um, sometimes, often, and, and you just inquire, why do they happen? But I believe it happens because the company culture is set, and therefore, that's how they treat their customers. And do you think that some cultures are a lot more oppressive in that in that respect yeah but i want to give you a positive example let's get, do a positive example marriott is a hotel chain this was not a marriott incidentally what i was sharing especially when i share the following thing marriott's been around for 70 years they're the number one hotel chain in the world but when you really peel back the onion you look at the internal workings and i'm not speaking out of confidence you know not saying something a trade secret um, i do a lot of work with marriott but i'm not saying a trade secret here now but here's the key the reason why I believe Marriott is so successful is because they believe if you treat your cut, um, employees well, which they call associates, if you treat them well, they'll treat their customer well. And when you go to a Marriott, of course, you know, nothing is ever perfect, but I've had nothing but absolute great experiences. They're not just because of my customer, but what I found out is they believe in the culture being set that we have to treat our customer, excuse me, our employees well, and they'll treat the customer well. Well, this seems obvious, but how many times have you seen companies who say the customer is always right? It's always about the customer, which is fine. You can make a good argument for that, but then they treat their employees like well, I was going to use another word. And and so, how do you how do you actually set that up in an organisation? So you know, again, I'm sure people are listening to this podcast and going, "Yeah, I you know, I I can't talk to my boss about it. I can't do this. I can't do that." Quite often, people get incensed by really negative feedback because that's often they hear what they hear. Have you ever experienced somebody who the only thing that ever comes out of their mouth is something is negative? And at yeah. first, you say, "Well, that's okay." This is helpful feedback. But after a while, if that's the only thing that they ever say, mm-hmm. we all just want to run away. So that's important. So back to what your point is and where you're headed. What really is critical is it's all about the leadership. It's all about the leadership. Yeah. It's how the CEO is, how the C-level is, how the executives are. And if they create a safe atmosphere, people will tell the truth. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. 
Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. I hadn't thought about truth-telling in that way where we think about the hard truths that need to be told, and you're kind of framing this as an entire process. So in other words, there needs to be a lot of easy truth-telling that happens to create an environment in which difficult or costly or potentially you know, fear-inducing uh, truths can also be told. Well, it's an interesting people, perspective that I hadn't thought of before. Well, thank you. And, and people really want, in other words, here's the thing, what I, I, a key message out of what we're talking about, important message, is that if you have somebody in your life, it, it, within your company or, or, um, or a customer or whatever, it's all about creating safety. So let's talk about why customers will lie to us. Well, you ask a customer, what's your budget? Well, would they naturally say, we don't have one, which is probably a lie. Or maybe it's they have a figure in mind, but they don't tell us. Well, why don't they tell us? Because they feel like we're going to burn their budget or feel like we're going to raise the price. Mm -hmm. So they don't feel safe. In other words, but if you were able to make them feel safe, and I have great relations with customers because what I'm focused about is safety. So if you make people feel emotionally safe, they will tell you the truth. So really what I think leadership is all about, you know, you hear, read all these books, vision and, you know, and, and, uh, and execution and all that stuff. That's great. But the most important thing to look at for in a leader is the ability to make other people feel safe, emotionally safe. And, 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 and again, how do you how do you do that? then? so what, what advice would you give our listeners listeners on, you know, how you make people feel emotionally safe? Okay, uh, there are three things, and there are many things, but three things I want to, let's go right into the particular. First, we got to tell the truth. So often people say, that person's not up front with me. Well, how often are we up front with them? So an example would be a CEO or C-level or a leader or a manager telling their employees, look, um, I want to let you know that we're having some challenges in the organization, but here's what we're doing to correct it. Or we've just made a management move, and, um, and let me kind of address as to why. Or let me address rumors that we're being sold or that we're going to acquire a company. But right. what often happens is I've worked with so many leaders who will say, well, um, we, we can't say that. And I'll say, well, why can't you say it? And they'll sometimes cite their legal department. And I often say to people, look, I'm not a lawyer and I don't have an expertise in uh, legality or, you know, in those type of aspects. But I am an expert in humanity and communication and relationships. And I share to them, if you don't tell people the truth. When they do ultimately find the truth and that you knew that information, they will feel that you deceived them. So the first thing, I always work with executives. They have to tell the truth. Second, what they need to do is watch their reaction. So, for example, have you ever had somebody say to you, oh, you could tell me anything? I, you know, Colin Ryan, please, please tell me. I want to hear what you have to say. And you, <laughs> yeah. get, and you give them some critical feedback and they flip out on you. Yeah. Next time you say, forget it. Yeah. I've seen executives or, or even managers of small teams or whatever. They just don't positively react to feedback they don't like. And so their eyes will roll or they'll change the subject or they'll get defensive and they create an unsafe atmosphere. So we train and condition people on how we want to treat them, treat us, excuse me. We train and condition people on how to treat us and we train them by our reaction. So if we get defensive. So I so first thing is tell the truth. Second is watch our reaction. And third is positively reinforce honesty. What that means is not, well, Colin, Ryan, thank you for sharing. No, I what I need to do is say, <laughs> well, 
thank you for that feedback. I never realized that's how I came across. I now see what I um, the microphone fell out of my ear. Uh, and what I could say is um, what we I appreciate mean, your honesty about that. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what happened to Steven? <laughs> But the third yeah, aspect, we, we, we cut you off because we didn't like what you're saying. <laughs> it's all about honesty. It is. Um, so the third thing is what? The, the third is positively react when we hear honesty. In other words, what we need to say to somebody is when we hear some criticism or something that may be challenging and say, look, I not only thank you for sharing, but I really appreciate this. And what I'm going to do with that information is this and and have the person feel rewarded. You know, you look at why so many employees don't respond to their um, uh, internal customer surveys often, and it's yeah. because they feel like it's not going to make a difference. Mm. So in other words, so, the companies say, we want to hear you, with you, but they don't see any action. Or what often happens with companies, they take too long to show their employees that they're hearing what they have to say. So we need to positively reinforce honesty, which is not so easy, but it's very critical. So tell the truth, watch our reactions, and pos- you know, and, and, and train and condition people that it's okay to say the truth through our reaction. And the third is positively um, and give rewards and react to honesty when we actually hear it. It's not just not get yeah. defensive. It's about now reinforce through rewards. So one of the stats that's, let me let me tell you a stat that, um, that I've always found interesting, which is um, for, um, for every customer complaint, there are 26 other unhappy customers who remain silent. So why is it, therefore, that, that customers remain silent? Why do people remain silent? What's an example that you often see that is, best illustrates that? Um, I, you, well, here's, here's, here's an interesting one. You, you go into a restaurant, you sit down, uh, you have your meal, um, and then the waiter comes up and says, is everything okay? And it hasn't been. Um, and maybe it's the British person in me, I don't know, but I always <laughs> turn around and go, yeah, it's fine. You know, or yeah, it's good. And I think to myself, why did I not tell him that, you know, actually they didn't uh, deliver the mushrooms or they didn't do this or they didn't do that. But, you know, I, I then walk out of the restaurant and then turn around to my wife and go, I don't think I'm going to go back there. Uh, but I didn't choose to share that feedback with them. Um, and, you know, clearly if I'm a customer that, and the issue becomes that obviously if you, um, if your customers aren't sharing that feedback, and I was talking to a client the other day about this, you know, if you, they were actually, um, they were actually, um, I won't say, um, they were, they were influencing is the word I want to use. They were influencing the scores that they were getting from customers. The, the customer feedback scores um and i said to them look the problem with that is that you don't know it, 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 you know if your customers are silent or you're influencing the scores that the customers are giving you you don't know what the truth is and therefore you can't change anything in in the organization do, do, does that make sense yeah what i think happens in like restaurants and, and examples of where you're headed is I think the fear is, or we can look at it as uh, the thought process, is that it's not going to make a difference. You're working out of the restaurant. You already paid. It's like, ah, what's the point? I already got my food. And and then other things, I'm not saying this went on in your head, but I think sometimes it, fear is not going to make a difference, or it's already done, or often in restaurant cases or in the middle of a sales process or in the middle of a customer service process, I should say, we yeah. have a fear that if we are up front, something's going to go wrong. 
something's going to go wrong. So right now, a friend of mine is uh, wants to hire uh, um, uh, a consultant, and her fear is that you know he's the best one at this particular subject area. And she's worried about his responsiveness because he hasn't been that responsive. And I said, why don't you just tell him? She said, well, he's the only one that really has that expertise, and I'm worried about irritating him. I said, right. so let me get this right. You're going to or look like hire, you're going to hire him, and you're going to you have the fear of being up front with him, and you're paying the bills. <laughs> you see how silly that yeah. is? And as I was going through it, she realized, of course, that is silly. But but what she but we all go through that. We have these uh, decisions that go on in our head. We don't really analyze it. But here's what I think is if you felt and if she felt and if people felt like it would make a difference and we could work through it, we'll, we'll be upfront with that. So there are certain skills and techniques about how to deliver difficult messages when it could go poorly. And we can talk about that. There's many specific skills. Like, let's say you need to talk to somebody, your boss or customers yeah. or some situation, and you're worried about them getting defensive. There are ways to deal with it. But back to your point, I think it still comes down to fear. And, sure. and so, or aspects of that. And I, I guess, Ryan, just as we're talking to Stephen, I, I was thinking about um, habits and, and mm. you, you know, it, it, so, Stephen, one of the things that, that we've talked about um, on the podcast has been that people form habits. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we have habits to make our lives easier, etc. And the, the response of the response of, you know, what was your meal like is pretty much an automatic habit for me now just to say, yeah, the meal was good. Thanks. Um, and then I sort of take a step back and go, actually, it was or, you know, yeah, it was really good. Um, but I, I guess I'm I'm answering on a habitual basis. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do think that happens. And I think let's look at habits and how we develop those type of habits. And I think it's through growing up. So here's an example, and again, I'm not saying about you because I don't, I don't, would not know this aspect. But sure. um, some people um, have the way they got through their childhood, and not to go too psychological, but let's say they grow up in divorced, a divorced family where there's a lot of conflict. So as a child, you make up in your mind, you know, if I don't raise the issues, I'm going to get by. It's much easier, and it's not going to make a difference, and it will cause an argument, and there's no good payoff for bringing things up. So. It, that's and that was a good coping mechanism as a child, but growing into an adult and into our adulthood, that can be a problematic. So sometimes I've, it's how we grew up. Sometimes it's past experiences. So for example, maybe somewhere you had you know made up in your mind about sometimes with restaurants or certain things, it's just not going to go well. So why bring that up? And where I often see this is where past situations with past employers, past. Um, uh, situations in which we were penalized by being up front. So I think what we do is, we, to your point about habits, but really what they are are coping mechanisms that help us get through in life. So an easy example is we're walking down the street and we see somebody and they say, well, how are you? Let's say we're having a bad day. We don't say, well, as a matter of fact, I'm having a really bad day and I want to talk to you about it. We're like, oh, everything's sure. fine. Sure. We just do that. So we do sure. have certain politeness about us, but I think it's a slippery slope to what people will confuse as a white lie, right? Or maybe habits or things like that to really, really being up front. And so what I think is habits are a result of beliefs and beliefs are the way we've reacted to situations and what we've seen by others reactions. And it, it, is there, Ryan, is there anything in a sort of from a psychological framework that fits that? I was thinking about, you know, we've again, we've talked about sort of heuristics and as a as a rule of thumb, the way that people do things as a as a as a rule of thumb. Is there anything that's happening there from a 
from that psychological perspective, do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think that this perspective of uh, uh, honesty or dishonesty being driven by fear is a really powerful perspective, right? So even going back to your your notion of, of habits and habitual responses, I think that some of the fear, at least in, in terms of customer complaints, can come from the fact that confrontation is scary for a lot of us. And yeah. so, uh, you know, even if it's a minor confrontation, like telling the waiter that they have disappointed you, you know, there's some potentially some social pain there. And so in effort at, at avoiding this this pain, at avoiding this fear, um, we can develop a habitual response because that then makes it easier that we can just will always say this because we know that there's no fear involved in telling people that everything is all right. Whereas if we tell them that it's wrong, then there's going to be further inquiries. People are going to want to know why we're going to have to deal with this social pressure. So I, I mean, I think that understanding honesty from that perspective is, is, is really a, an interesting perspective and one that I'm is causing me to, to re-examine a lot of the ways that I'm thinking about some of this stuff. Well, and Ryan, I want to address something. I think it's a powerful point what you're bringing up because people are afraid of conflict. Mm. But here's my comeback. They're not really. Here, now, you Interesting. You say, well, that, well, what do I mean by that? I have found that people are not afraid of conflict. They're afraid of unresolved conflict. Because you give me the person who's the most conflict avoidant person, right? They just don't say anything. They just go by. I bet you they have somebody in their life they're willing to yell at. <laughs> and the reason is right. they, don't, yeah. they don't care or they think it's going to go well or it doesn't matter. Here's what I found is that really when people say, well, I'm afraid of conflict, what they're really afraid of is it's not going to get resolved. Because let's go back to that restaurant situation or any situation. We'll bring it up if we thought it was going to go great. So, for example, Colin, back to your situation with the restaurant, I think you would bring it up if you thought, well, gosh, they're going to give you a free meal or they're going to bring out a better meal or they're going to make adjustments. If you thought they're going to say, wow, this is I'm so sorry, let me correct it. And you thought there was no bad consequences. You're likely to bring it up because, again, I want to go back to my earlier point. It takes much more psychological energy to keep something inside than to let it out. When we're born, look at, you know, kids, when they're born, they're born to speak. We're born to speak. So anybody that we meet in life, as long as they've had kind of a normal type of life, um, you know, and they're normal and, and, you know, and all major aspects of, you know, their mentality, if they, they started off this planet speaking, maybe crying, whatever, and then what we learn as a child is, oh, don't say this, or that shouldn't be said, or that's going to be rude. So what we do is we learn not to speak. But here's the point. We're all born to speak. And if we take that on, that means some of the most shut down people in your life, I'm saying you have the potential to unlock their brilliance and they'll be willing to speak up if you create that safety because they're inside. They want to speak up. That's how they were born. And that's what we were born to do. There's there's a great there's I love music. And I don't know if you've ever heard of um, you must have heard of back in the old days, Cat Stevens. Yes. Um, um, and he's got this great song called uh, Father and Son. And one of the lines in that, which I thought is brilliant, he says, um, and this is like the son talking, says, um, from the moment I was born, uh, from the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I think that's, you know, you're very, you're right. Clearly, you know, people, I guess there's a lot of society that weighs down your, you know, this is, this is right. This is wrong. You shouldn't say this. You should do that. But I guess the other part for me is I was just thinking as you were talking, Stephen, you, you get to the point 
where there is a point where you where I would turn around and go, nah, this is not fine anymore. I'm going to tell you that yes. this is not good. And, you know, and, and there's some line that you get to where you where, you know, it's if it's crossed, then, you know, I guess and everybody must have that line, um, you know, where you would then start to go. No, actually, this meal has been pretty bad. And here's the reasons for, for it. But I guess that um, yeah, that is just about the effort that you need to put into it and whether you think it's actually worthwhile or not. Yeah, because sometimes you might say to yourself, look, no matter what, I've got to speak up about this. Maybe because of your beliefs in life, maybe because of certain non-negotiables in your life, certain ways that you live your life, uh, maybe certain stances that are important to you. It's a it's a wrong, you know, you see something that's wrong and you've got to speak up about it. But I, I want to go back to even the, uh, like a bigger point for people to walk away with is that if you really believe in your mind that actually you can bring things up and it'll go well you're going to be much more likely to speak up. So I'll give you an example. My girlfriend and I were traveling in Europe and we ran into, um, uh, we actually went to uh, Chambord. I hope I got this right. It's a big, huge castle. I'm probably butchering what it actually is. But anyway, we got there, <laughs> we, we, we got there right at the, uh, as ticket sales were closing. So we went in and, um, and I went to the person as they were already counting the money and they're saying, look, tickets are closed. I said, look, we traveled an hour to get here. We're not going to be able to work, come back tomorrow. Uh, I'll just pay whatever, but I just want to see it for like, there was only 20 minutes left and then they were going to close things down. Tickets were still closed down. But anyway, but, uh, but the still was open up until six o'clock. So I had 20 minutes left. I said, look, 20 minutes, I'll pay the ticket. It doesn't really matter. And they said, no. And then, but I have the belief that actually anything is possible. And in France, they have an interesting phrase, not possible. And so I was like, it is possible. And I said, um, okay, well, let me get to the manager. So the manager comes out, I restate my case. And I'm like, look, again, we're here. We've heard great things about this and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And so finally I was like, it has to be possible. I'll pay whatever, please let me do it. And he goes, okay, five minutes. <laughs> now he was mad. But we got in and my girlfriend says to me, well, how do you pull that off? And, and I, because I was unrelenting, because I sure. believe in my mind that first I was right and, and I was willing to pay. It wasn't like I was asking for something free. And sure. I knew I wasn't coming back. And I believe in my mind that anything is possible. So if you believe it and you believe that you, we can resolve issues, we're going to much more likely bring up issues. So that's what we need to do is create the belief structure in our companies and ourselves that actually we can get things resolved. And I found that people can get all kinds of things handled, even the toughest situations. I've had customers tell I've had my customers tell me, you know, I can't work with this person. Nobody can work with them. And I'm, I believe that anybody can be worked with. And so it's just going to there's all kinds of ways to make this happen. But back to the beliefs, it's the belief structure in our minds. Yeah, good. So are, are there any last pieces of advice, um, any, any last pieces of advice that, that you would you would give, Stephen, and then Ryan, and you know, any, any takeouts that you take away from this? Well, so a, a few things, but one thing in particular, first, the overall last point I want to make, besides, of course, getting the unsaid set and all the things we talked about and the teamwork and, and applications of, uh, of communication and how to have these difficult conversations and what to do is one area of getting the unsaid said that we did not talk about. And that is really appreciation. My gosh, I, people are so stingy with their compliments and what in the world are we doing? So if you got somebody in your life and you're like, well, you know, I'm mad at them or it's not going well, or, it, or I, or I do have a great employee, but I don't want them to have a big head and ask me for a raise. Sure. Stop it. Here's my thought. Stop it. And just say the good stuff. Because so often in life, people are also not sharing their appreciation. 
It's sure. like a, a friend of mine. She said, you know, um, my my boyfriend doesn't like honesty. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, she goes, every time I tell him um, what he's not doing right, he gets mad. And I, I said, well, <laughs> how often do you tell him how great he is? And, and she said, well, I don't want him to have a big head. And I said, well, how's that working for you? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so I've Very worked true. with executives and people. They're so programmed to look at what's wrong. They rarely look at what's right. I work with the CIO who said, you know, yeah. I, he said, I had a great year. I said, well, what, what, what went well about it? And he goes, you know, that's a good question. We had a great year, but I haven't dissected it because all I think about is the problems. So sure. take time out to appreciate people. And the second point I want to make is if they, if people have, uh, they do something out of what we talked about today and they email me and mention your show and what they've done, I'll send them the very first book I wrote, the electronic version of it, but the very first book I wrote for free. It's called Just Be Honest, just like our website, Just Be Honest. And I'll send that to them for free because I want them to do something about that. And the third um, uh, uh, point I want to leave people with is be flexible, adjust. You know, we talk about these guidelines. It's not so easy, but just keep working at it and really believe that in life, everybody wants to tell you the truth as long as you make them feel safe. Yeah, um, good, good advice. Any any last thoughts from you, Ryan? Uh, no, this was a lot of fun. I mean, I, one thing that we, we talk about when we talk about customer feedback, uh, we just naturally often assume that if we open, if we make those channels available, that people A, will talk to us and B, will tell us the truth. Um, I think that it's a much more complex issue there, that we need to create that ecosystem that facilitates it. Um, it's not it's not issues that I tend to think about a lot as I'm looking through the research on this stuff. And, um, and so it was a lot of fun, a lot of things to think about. And, and certainly from my perspective, I think the 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 advice, David, about the getting the um you know, it's the small things. It's creating that environment. I think is is, is great. So, Steve, can you can you just re-mention about the um, re-mention about the the ebook uh, sure. and, and also mention uh, where people can contact you because I'm sure they'll be fascinated to get in touch and talk about this a bit further. So, first of all, our website is justbehonest.com justbehonest.com and if they mention your show and what they've done with the information they don't have to give me much details but they email me and i'll give them the email address in a moment then we'll send them the electronic version of just be honest for free and it's it's one of the best-selling books that we that i've ever done and it, it goes Great. specifically about how to do that and and um and and so my email address is steven at stephengaffney.com steven at stephengaffney.com so s-t-e-v-e-n so Stephen with a V, and then my full name, Stephen Gaffney, S-T-E-V-E-N, G as in George, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, N-E-Y. So Stephen at StephenGaffney.com, they mention your show and what they've done with it or an aspect of it, and we'll send them the electronic version because here's my overall last point. I want people to do something with the information and pay it forward, make a difference in your life. People really want that honesty. It's up to us to create it. Great, great, and a great way to end the show on, Stephen. Uh, much appreciated for being on. It's been uh, fascinating, and um, um, we look forward to um, talking to you again maybe one day um, and uh, hearing on how how people have actually put this in place. So hope, um, hope to talk to you again soon, and thanks very much for everybody listening, um, and talk to you next week. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. 
Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>